Good morning, church. I trust you well. We praise God for answered prayers, for healings, and for touching people's lives. I thank you again for your faithfulness in giving your tithes and offerings in spite of the fact that we cannot gather and when we can, it's in reduced numbers. Your faithful giving has enabled Awaken Life Church to continue its work and to reach out even further through our online presence. May the blessings of the Lord be upon your finances as you remain faithful in your giving. Amen. God bless you. Today, I want to talk to you about a topic which can be both simple and confusing. I'm talking about salvation. Saved. Are you saved? During my years of ministry, I've come across many people who at times doubted their salvation. You hear messages encouraging you to get in the Word and to read your Bible and to become more like Jesus, to grow in the faith, to produce fruit and use your gifts for the Lord. Reach out to people and bring them to Jesus. <laughs> Listen, you've heard such messages right here in the past few weeks, right? It sounds exciting and you get motivated and you decide that this is the year, this is the time you're going to reach those spiritual goals in your life. And then life happens and you find yourself having not so holy thoughts or taking not so holy actions. You struggle to keep up your Bible reading. And what happens to many believers is they begin to doubt their salvation. They think, if I was truly saved, I would not struggle with this. If I was truly saved, I would never fall into sin. If I was truly saved, my faith would be much stronger. And the if I list gets very long. What I've noticed in my ministry is that sometimes believers allow their experience with the struggles of life, of earthly life, to bring a shadow over the realities of their spiritual life. Also, it is so easy for us not to behave Christ-like during the stress of this pandemic. When it happens, some Christians may question their faith and their salvation. This message helps to clarify why we sometimes behave the opposite of what we should. It's, the message is aimed to inform the believer in what to do and to bring clarity to the process of salvation. This message will hopefully also bring deliverance and joy to some who may have been bound by false guilt or had wrong teaching on this matter. I'm going to present this topic by posing four questions. By the end of the study, I hope that the subject will be clear to everyone. So, First question, so let us get this matter out of the way. Question number one is this, will I still sin after salvation? <laughs> this is a big one. On one hand, we are called to be like Jesus and not sin. So, if I am saved, I will not sin, right? <laughs> Wrong. Listen, let's go to the Bible. Our source is the Bible. So let's read what it says. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. You see, although we are saved, we continue to live in a fallen world. And we are surrounded by sin. In this environment, it is inevitable that sometimes you will still sin, either in word, deed, or thought. No one is sinless. And so we deceive ourselves if we think we are sinless or if we think that as a Christian, I will never sin. What are we supposed to do with our sin is to confess it, not hide it, defend or justify it. Confess and repent. Now, the fact that we will still sin after salvation and does not give us a right to sin or an excuse to continue sinning willfully. Our desire must be to do God's will and our mind must be made up to follow his instructions. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so with his help, we can overcome the sinful habits and traits in our lives and choose not to sin willfully. So don't beat yourself up. Yes, you will still sin after salvation. But as you grow spiritually, you will tend to sin less and less. However, if a particular sin persists and you struggle to overcome it, even after confessing it many times, well, then seek help, seek counsel. Sometimes we need to confess our sins to one another so we may get the help that we need. Amen? Question number two. From what are we saved? <laughs> I'm saved. Well, from what am I saved? Well, we know that we have received eternal life. But it helps to have a clear picture as to what we are saved from. So here we go. Four things we are saved from. One, we are saved from our sins. All right. Matthew 1.21 says, Shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This means that all your sins, past, present, and future, Jesus has saved you from it all. In other words, he has saved you from the consequences, the spiritual eternal consequences of your sin. Number two. We are saved from the wrath of God and from hell. Yes, there is a place called hell. And yes, there is such a thing as the wrath of God. It's not very popular to talk about these things these days. And many churches choose only to speak of the nice things like heaven and how to have a wonderful life on this earth. But the reality is that God is love. But he is also a righteous and holy God. And you will bring judgment to those who are ungodly. This planet will be judged and will experience the wrath of God. You don't want to be in the presence of the wrath of God. Believe me. And so Jesus has saved us from the wrath to come. Listen to these verses. Psalm 86, 13. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of hell. Romans 5, 9. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath 
through Him. Amen? We shall not experience the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. To wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Hallelujah. We have been saved from God's wrath and from hell. Hallelujah. Number three, we are saved from this present evil age. Psalm 37 and 40. And the Lord shall keep them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Galatians 1, 4. Who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father. Yes, we are surrounded by evil. Right now, the world is in the grip of a great turmoil, a pandemic, and an uncertain future. In these circumstances, there are many stories fly around as to what governments and other powers want to do to us. They're going to control us and to put chips in us. Hey, we are saved from the wicked who are present in the world right now. We are saved and delivered from the present evil age. Yes, it is true that much wickedness prevails in the earth. But none of it is going to separate me from Jesus. I am saved from this present evil age. Amen? What else? Number four. We are saved from death. Now, this does not mean that you will never die. Surely you have been to several funerals of Christians. Usually when the Bible talks about death, it is talking about permanent separation from God. We're talking about spiritual death, separated from God forever. All of us will die eventually if Jesus does not return before we die. But we will never be separated from God eternally. Psalm 56, 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? And Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So we are saved from these things. It's important to know that we are saved. We are saved from death. We are saved from this present evil age. We are saved from the wrath of God and from hell. And we are saved from our sins. This is wonderful. That's why we can stand clean before the Lord. Because we have been saved from our sins. Question number three. Is there a process of salvation? In other words, were you saved? Are you being saved? Or will you be saved? And the answer is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there is a process of salvation. And, and this process can be likened to a man who, who is lost at sea, drowning. A boat comes by and rescues him. So great, he has been saved, but he is still at sea. He needs to stay on the boat until he gets to shore. While he is on the boat, he is being saved. Okay? So, he was saved when they pulled him out of the water. He is being saved while he's on the boat. And when he gets to the shore, he will be home. He will be saved. That salvation is a process. 
the, the process of salvation as being completed when he gets to the shore. And just as a lost man needs to enter a lifeboat to be saved, he must also stay in the lifeboat to reach the shore safely. The man is saved by entering the lifeboat. He is being saved by staying in the lifeboat and he will be saved by reaching the shore. Thus, the man's salvation is not a one-time event, but a process, just as our salvation in Jesus is a process which is yet to be completed. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Yes, we are the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. And, and by the way, here's another confirmation that God has saved us from death, okay? Who delivered us from such great a death, and thus deliver us, in whom we trust that He will still deliver us. You see the process of salvation? You see the, the different stages? Past. The first phase of salvation is salvation accomplished. The believer has been saved from the penalty of sin. He has been forgiven and his spirit has been united with the spirit of God. So I was saved when I surrendered my life to Christ, when I put my faith in him, when I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then the present, the second phase of salvation is salvation experienced. The believer is being saved from the power of sin. This is the road we are in now. And in this process, our soul is being saved. Our soul is our will, our emotions, and our thinking. Listen to this verse in James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, the word of God, which is able to save your souls. Now, wait a minute. He is writing to believers. Are they not saved yet? Why does he say that the word can save their souls? You see, it's because the word of God, it is the word of God that reveals the will of God. He's not talking about their spirit. The spirits have been connected with God. He's talking about their souls, they, they, their mind, their they thinking, their choosing, their feeling. And so when people come to Christ from another faith or no faith at all, it takes time in the Word to change their thinking, which in turn changes their feelings and their choices. It is what is called the renewing of the mind, spoken of in Romans 12. Listen to Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, not be shaped by the thinking processes of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you hear that? There's a progression here as your mind is renewed, as you learn more and more about the ways of God, as you change your thinking, and therefore your actions and your choices, you begin, it says, you begin to prove, you begin to experience. And you use three different Greek words which shows different degrees. It says, you may prove what is good. It's the Greek word agathos, which means good. Okay? But then it says, and acceptable. 
Here is the word euarestos, which means fully agreeable and well-pleasing. He's gone from good to, hey, this is well-pleasing. He's gone a little bit higher. And then perfect, that's the word teleos, which means complete and perfect will of God. So as you begin to apply the word of God and change your mind, hey, you begin to say, this is good, this is good. But as you continue it, it becomes well-pleasing. And eventually you can experience the perfect or the complete will of God. Notice this. First, as we surrender our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit does the work in our spirits, bringing the life of God into us and connecting us to God. Now, the transformation of the soul requires your effort as well. Notice he says, be transformed by the renewal of mind. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That means you take time to study the Word of God, to study the Bible, to find out the will of God. You listen to services like this. You spend time reading the Word, listening to the Word. You develop this relationship with God. And by reading, by praying, by listening to the Holy Spirit, your mind is renewed. You see, it's your choice. Remember last week's message? (laughs) Your mind is renewed not by listening to the counsel of the world, but by meditating in God's Word and getting counsel from Him. This process is also called sanctification. And it will last as long as we are alive on this earth. Some people learn faster and quicker than others. And you cannot compare yourself with other believers. And you must be patient with yourself if you're not growing spiritually as fast as you desire. As you become convicted and convinced of God's will by the word of God, you align your life to his will. You see, You are being saved. You are being changed. Your thoughts, words, actions, preferences all begin to align more and more to the will of God. This is our life in the boat, part of our salvation. We are saved because we've been pulled out of the waters It was not our effort. It was all grace. We merely accepted and we were pulled in the boat. Our only choice was to say yes. But now that you are in the boat, we are being changed. You got a change of clothes. You got cleaned up. And unless we jump out of the boat again, we can rest assured that we will make it to shore. But while on the boat, there are things to do, like help your fellow sailors, And look out for other people that may be drowning that could be rescued. You get the picture, right? But one day, we are going to arrive at our destination. And so the future, the third phase of salvation is salvation anticipated. We are anticipating that third phase. The believer will be saved from the presence of sin. When we arrive in the presence of God... There will be no presence of sin there. Here, we have to deal with the presence of sin. There, there will be no sin. When the man steps out of the boat onto firm land, he is home. There's no chance of falling in the water and drowning. One day, we will arrive in the presence of God. Our spirits are ready. 
our soul is being transformed. But when we arrive there, the word says that we will know him as we are known by him. We will have our full faculties as far as thinking, feeling, and choosing go. No more effects of sin because we will no longer be in the presence of sin. Our earthly fallen body will be no more. We will receive new glorified bodies that are free from the tendencies to sin. The cycle of salvation will be complete. We'll be saved spirit, soul, and body. We will live forever in God's presence as God originally designed it to be. And we will never be separated from Him again. Hallelujah. This is the process of salvation. Amen. And just one quick final question. Question number four. Do I have to earn my salvation? Ah, good question, eh? The answer is no. No. Because there is nothing that you and I can do to earn salvation. There is nothing that we can do that is righteous before a righteous God. In fact, Isaiah 64, 6 says that our righteous deeds, your best righteous deeds, are like filthy rags before the Lord. Can you imagine that kind of holiness and righteousness? There is nothing you and I could do to, to please God in that way. Therefore, we cannot please an infinitely holy and righteous God by anything that we do. But Jesus who is perfectly righteous before God, God the Father. He died in our place. What we could not do, Jesus did. If you want to escape the righteous judgment of God, then you need to trust in the sacrifice of God, Jesus Christ. You need to be made righteous before God by Jesus. This righteousness of Christ is given to you if you accept him. Trust Him and believe in what Jesus said. This is why the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. No good works, no acts of charity can bring you salvation. It is the gift of God. And the only thing you can do when someone offers you a gift is accept it or reject it. Nothing else. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It says that grace, that salvation is a gift of God. When you trust in what Christ has done on the cross and not in any works of your own, since they aren't good enough anyway, then the righteousness of Christ is given to you. Even as your sins were given to Jesus on the cross. Salvation is a done proposition. Man's responsibility is to accept this by faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. It's your choice. The finished work of Christ includes not only deliverance from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. Faith in Christ for salvation means coming to Him as the source of salvation from every aspect of sin through trusting in the finished work of Christ, knowing that one day you will stand before him justified, accepted, 
to live with Him forever. Amen. So I hope that this message has made the process of salvation clear to you and that you are encouraged to pursue a life of holiness towards God. Yes, you are saved. Yes, you are being saved. And do not give up on that process. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And yes, one day you will be saved. We'll have glorified bodies, we'll be in His presence, and we'll live with Him forever. Amen? Don't let your failures or weaknesses stop you from continuing to persevere in your journey of faith. Stay in fellowship. Continue following our services or your church services if you belong to another church. Continue in the study of the Bible and prayer. And feel free to ask for prayer and advice if you need it. Amen? Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, Lord God. And thank you for your wonderful love for us that you are working in us. You've started the work and the good work you've started you will complete in us. Thank you, Father, that we can be part of this wonderful process. I thank you for everyone listening, everyone watching. Help us to stay firm and fixed in your ways, Father, allowing this process of salvation to take place, allowing our minds to be renewed by your word, Father, as we live more and more for you, Lord Jesus, until the day when we can see you face to face. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May you be encouraged. May you be blessed. And let's continue together in this process of salvation until we see him face to face. God bless you. See you next week.